Scripture readings this morning uh, are again in uh, reversed order. The, the New Testament reading will be followed by the Old, uh, which will serve as the basis for this morning's sermon. Uh, the, uh, the New Testament reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew. In the seventh chapter, beginning at verse 15 and continuing through verse 20, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and can a bad tree bear good fruit? No. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. In our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah in the 23rd chapter, beginning at verse 23 and continuing through verse 31. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back, those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? They plan to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors Forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? See, therefore, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words from one another. See, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their own tongues and say, says the Lord. See, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, says the Lord, and who tell them and who lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or appoint them. So they do not profit this people at all, says the Lord. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. As we read these words from the prophet Jeremiah, uh, I find myself uneasy because the ones that God here is addressing in such a a scathing way, they look a a fair bit like the, the image that I see in the mirror. And that is disquieting. But these were just the folks that God knew We're falling down on the job, and so he is rightly calling them out. Now, no one likes to be called out, especially, perhaps, those whose reputations are important to their positions, to their status, their income potential. Such certainly was the case for the court prophets 
of Jerusalem in the days of Jeremiah. Then these were somewhat like the cabinet of the executive branch in our government today. They were trusted people, advisors whom the king could turn to for advice on a, a wide range of spiritual matters, yes, but also and probably even more often in the case of secular matters as well, of policy and tax, of war and peace. Unlike the structure we know in our own country, these advisors, the court prophets, were in the employ of the king personally and not on the government payroll, so to speak. So you can see how it would be in their best interest to have an allegiance to the sovereign over the society. Their constituency was not the people, but the king. So it was best to keep the boss happy. And here in the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah, the boss's boss waves in on the situation and the big guy is less than thrilled with the work of these prophets. Now, being one who is supposed to be in the business of bringing a word from God to the people of God is a solemn responsibility. Now, just ask Moses, for example, or Elijah, or any number of others who have been entrusted with such a duty. For, as with all those called to be prophets by the one holy God of Israel, all have served a living God, one that is present and actively concerned with the affairs of those whom he has created and not some far off, disinterested spiritual force of one sort or another. Therefore, as our text begins, God is telling these prophets, I see what you're doing, I know what you're thinking, I hear what you're saying, wherever you are, wherever you go, wherever you think it, whomever you speak it to. So therefore, you are accountable to God for speaking the true words of God. And that's why it can be a little, or perhaps even more than a little, intimidating at times. As the book of the prophet Jeremiah contains reminders and warnings to prophets, it stands to reason that some of them in his day were in need of reminders and warnings. They had succumbed to the temptation to serve the pleasure of the human ruler in Jerusalem rather than that of the Heavenly Father. And that never ends well. It didn't then, and it doesn't today. When the prophets are forgetful and or they practice deceitfulness, it's not only themselves they are harming, for they are charged with looking after the spiritual health and well-being of the rest of the people of God, from the greatest to the least. That's what is drawing them such harsh condemnations. That's the sort of talk that makes me feel the pressure. The admonition here is for those who are called to speak in the name of the Lord to do so in God's truth, and that is I think in accordance with the first commandment, which tells us that our God prohibits us from false allegiance to and worship of any other persons, places, or things. Correspondingly, the words that we speak on behalf of the one who gave us these laws cannot be words that are spoken on account of anything else. They may not be our words, 
which are spoken to tickle the ears of an earthly audience, whether we're paid to say them or not. That's a very tempting, and I would dare say, a comfortable route for a prophet to go. It seems to be the problem that's being addressed in the days of Jeremiah, and I must admit that it is a persistent problem as well. This was, after all, the way a, a whole nation of clergy went during the days of the Third Reich. With a very few notable exceptions, the rank and file of the German churches failed to speak prophetically against the abuses their government was perpetrating in violation of the gospel, preferring instead to see to their own comfort and safety and continued employ. And it was not just the Fuhrer's tamed theologians who have been recently complicit with a regime that was acting in ways contrary to those called for by God, but even now, even this very day, the Russian Orthodox Church seems to have been co-opted by Vladimir Putin. I see no signs that it's going to get better anytime soon. In fact, with the advances in modern communications technology, one might conclude that such apostasies as these are being amplified. Just a week and a half ago, I was saying the same sort of thing to a few folks in the fellowship hall over a meal and also in the company of a local reporter. He had a digital recorder with him, so I guess you could say that I am on record with these remarks. I wouldn't have said it then, and I wouldn't repeat it today if I didn't think it was true, and that's sort of the point of this whole Old Testament passage now, isn't it? I think it is uh, a temptation before us to speak words that are not God's in order to please man, and I think that it is God's intent that we do not do so. Unfortunately, I have seen and heard many a prophet voice get off task and preach a gospel that doesn't sound at all like the one I read about in Scripture that tells us about the true nature of God. And while it's fairly easy for me to play the part of an armchair quarterback and to critique all these other prophets and preachers as they proclaim a word that they claim has been inspired by God, it can be much more difficult for me to be introspective and judge rightly whether a word I am preparing to deliver to the people of God really has come from God or from me. Now, there's a, a guideline that biblical scholars have used for quite a while that allows them to produce the most authentic translation of the original texts that were written in other languages and then discern a meaning that is in line with that of the one who wrote them and, more importantly, the God who inspired the one who wrote Scripture. It says scripture interprets scripture and it invites those who undertake such important work to seek not just to replace words of one language with their counterparts in others, but also to understand what the text is saying about God. And the same sort of proposition is a faithful way to prepare a message from the text, whether the message be written or spoken or both. Adhering to this message can prevent one from substituting their own thoughts and opinions for the one whose spirit continues to speak in our midst today. 
How does the word fit in with what's already been said and recorded in the Bible? Maintaining fidelity to the word of God is a solemn responsibility for those called on to speak the word of God to the people of God. But even more than that, I believe that as the priesthood of all believers, it is the entire church's responsibility, not exclusively the province of the minister, him or herself, which is why I am sharing this text with you this morning. Because although we are not all called to serve as deacons or elders or ministers of word and sacrament, we are all called as Christians, young or old, to know and to share the story of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the exclusion of all other competing gospels. Not only does this mean that we are in need of being able to tell others, we need to be able to answer some questions and to raise others about Jesus, but it also means that we are expected to live the gospel of Jesus that we know so that we can faithfully proclaim it in our works as well as in our words. After all, we dare not become like the prophets being castigated in the days of Jeremiah. They, they may make a prophet, but the Lord has declared them to be unprofitable to the people and hence of no service to him. What a chilling indictment that would be to hear. You are of no service to me and no profit to the people. To avoid being so labeled, we must continue to resist the temptation to tell others what we think. We must put aside our own inclinations and preferences in order to speak God's revealed truth. No matter how countercultural or unpopular it may seem to be, we are not, after all, called to please and serve the world, but rather the author, the sustainer, and the redeemer of the world. To avoid running afoul of how God has told us to speak then, we need to guard our words more closely. With the vast array of communications technologies available to us now, it is easier than ever, I think, to let down that guard, either purposefully or by accident. God, however, has put us on notice that he is near, never far off. He monitors Facebook and WhatsApp, Truth and Telegram, YouTube and TikTok. What you write and what you say, anonymous as it may seem to be on social media, is not anonymous to God. Profit the kingdom as a prophet of his word, not of your own, all you peoples. Whether your profession entails it or not, put his truth above all else. When we, what we say and what we do are to bring to mind our God, a God who continues to give us the words of life to treasure and to share with a world obsessed with death. And for that gift, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.